0: we're in a uh, series of trying to maybe have better handles on how to communicate with God how how to how do, how, are, how do you pray how do you really pray and we're doing it by sitting at the feet of the master Jesus you see it was his disciples who could have uh, wanted to know a myriad of things that he had done and how he had done them but they they chose scripturally to ask one question lord teach us to pray now notice they didn't say lord teach us a prayer it wasn't teach us something that we'll say over and over and over again because it's a magical incantation to get you to do something or to get god the father to do something but Teach us to pray. Teach us on how to communicate. And so before we talk about what he said, let's uh, talk to the Lord. Join me in a prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we we desire to know how to best communicate, to be on the same page, to, to hear your voice, to know your peace. And so I pray that you would take the words that uh, were proclaimed by your Son, written in your word, and that you would write them in our hearts, that you would unpack them in such a way that we would leave here different. If there would be anything that would hinder us hearing you, I pray that you would remove it, for we've come to see Jesus, to be taught by Jesus, and to leave here more like Jesus. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I imagine if I were to ask you, how is your prayer life? Most of us, including me, would say, you know, it it needs to be more than it is. You know, lots of us have a tendency to treat prayer kind of like our spare tire in our car. Now, I would ask you, how many of you this morning before you got in your car to come here to church, how many of you opened the trunk, pull, lifted up whatever you need to lift up, looked and made sure your spare tire was there? Anyone? Anyone? No, not, not, not likely. But on the way here, had you uh, had a flat tire uh, and you don't have AAA, Even if you did, you'd go to the trunk, you'd open it up, and you'd be thrilled that there was an inflated spare tire there. You see, you don't think about it except when you have a need for it. And I wonder if that's not how many of us view prayer. We... Are grateful for it when we have a need for it. And why is that? Why has prayer become like that only in a time of need? And I think it's because we don't understand the privilege and the power and the blessing that prayer is and the importance of daily connecting with our Heavenly Father. I think it becomes like a spare tire. And I think it becomes a spare tire because that's the only or the main way we use it. So I am so grateful for Jesus' instruction on the Lord's Prayer because it doesn't start with the horizontal, with our needs, the Lord's prayer starts with the vertical. And if you miss the vertical, all you have left is a hope in the horizontal. Jesus says, it begins by our Father, our Abba, our Dada, basically is what that word means who uh, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. You are different. You are God and I am not. The humility that the choir sang, if we would humble ourselves and recognize that God is God and he's ever-present, our Father, who art in the heavens, who are above, outside of our experience, bigger than anything we experience, sees history at the same time as sovereign and in control, holy, other, hallowed be your name. And your kingdom, may it come. And your will, may it be done here as it is where you are. That's the beginning of the prayer. It's all in this this vertical relationship. If you get that, if I get that, then it's amazingly easy to get the horizontal. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. It But it begins with humility, just as the choir sang. Mike did a great job helping us to understand the holiness, the otherness, that God is God. And then last week, to grasp the reality that he is king of a kingdom that is coming. And in fact, in the book of Revelation, chapter 11, this is one of those key places in the book of what's going to happen. You can count on it. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever and the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and they worship God saying we give thanks to you Lord God almighty who is who was For you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. His kingdom is coming. His kingdom is coming. And do you know the last words of the last chapter of the Bible? The book of Revelation chapter 22 verse 20. And he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. And then there's this, amen, let it be so. And then this phrase, come, Lord Jesus, thy kingdom come, because the place that we live is not how you designed it to be. It's not how you designed it to be. But until that time, we live in this world, a world of the temporary, And a world that, frankly, gives us lots of false promises and false hopes. But it's a world that God has given us the ability to make choices. And we can choose for him and his will, his desire, or for us and for what we want to happen And Jesus gives us in this prayer that he teaches his disciples, these seven words that are probably the hardest words to pray when you pray the Lord's Prayer. These words. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What you want to be done here, may it be done here, not what I will. Now, in the Bible, there are a couple but two main words when it talks about God's will. The first is God's sovereign will. That is what will never change and will happen no matter what. His kingdom is coming at the exact time that he wills it to come. That will never, never, never change. There is God's perfect, sovereign will. And that's not what we're praying when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Because it's going to happen whether we pray it or not. No, The prayer, the will that we talk about in the Lord's Prayer is a different Greek word. It's the word meaning God's desire, his wishes, his hopes, what he wants to see happen. And Jesus is saying, because he's given us a free choice, That when we pray, acknowledging who God is, we need to say, not what I will, but what you will, what you desire to happen. Now, we struggle with this. Okay, I struggle with this. And King David struggles with this. Because we have choices to make. You you, you come to a place, and, and there's two paths to take. Which do you take? Do you take the path that God would have you take? Or do you take the path that you want to take? And how do you know? And here's David's prayer. This is why I know he wrestled with it. Psalm 86, 11 to 12. He writes, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Teach me the right way, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Be in awe of your name, that humility. And I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify you forever. David is saying he comes to a place, a fork in the road, and there are two choices, and his heart is divided. He wants to go this way. But he prays, Lord, I, I don't want a divided heart. I want a heart that is sold out for your way, your desire. Give me that. The intensity of this prayer. Because I want you to be honored. I want this to be about you. I don't want this to be about me. And it. It's the same struggle that I have. Oh Lord, I, I, I know you want me to do this, but oh, this looks so good. This is so inviting, so enticing, this can't be bad. So what do we do? Well, we don't have a good track record. I don't always have a good track record. We as humanity do not have a good track record. Even in the beginning, there was 100% failure in following the will of God. Even when they were in the best place, with everything going right, they still, with a divided heart, went the wrong way. In Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, commanded him saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat it you will surely die. Can you imagine God saying of all the... You can have everything... But my will, my desire is you stay away from this one tree. Everything is yours. But my will, my desire for you is stay away from this one tree. And we're told the evil one comes and sows some uh, doubt, some lies some misdirection and look what happens with both Adam and Eve so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food that's a desire I want that it's gonna taste good and that it was a delight to the eyes it looks good And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. I will be great. She took of its fruit and ate. And gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. And then the whole thing falls apart. Do you see the divided heart? We want... To do this, but oh my gosh, this is so attractive, so winsome. This can't be bad because it feels so good. There's a song there somewhere, I'm sure. So what did they do? What God desired or willed, the best for them? They did what they desired, what they willed, and it was costly. Now, before we start throwing darts at Adam and Eve, unfortunately, I'm in that same boat. I have those same struggles and make bad choices. We, we have a tendency as... As, as human beings, uh, my 12 grandkids, 12 grandkids, their first words, no, mine, 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 mine. We are about us, and the choices we make are about our will, and not always about what God's will And, and to, to see how it's supposed to be is seen so clearly in Jesus. In Luke 2 49, remember he's 12 years old and he hung back because he had some things he wanted to teach in the temple. And Mary and Joseph thought that Jesus on this caravan was with e- e- each other and The other one, and and so when they got to the first night to bed down, they discovered Jesus was not there, and they went back, and they searched for him. And here was his answer when Mary looked him, (laughs) and Joseph was about ready to take him out. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be... I must be in my father's house. Now, the problem is when you look that up in the Greek, it's such a nebulous thing. They're trying to put a word in there, but I must be about my father's things. I must be about my father's business, which is underscoring I must be about my father's desires. I'm not here for my own desires. I'm here to honor And glorify my Father. I want to choose. I want to have an undivided heart. And and later in John chapter 4 where Jesus is with the woman at the well. And the disciples go into town to buy food. And they come back and say, Jesus, are you hungry? And Jesus says to them, my food is to do the will of him. The desire of him who sent me to accomplish his work. The most important thing Jesus is saying, the thing that gives me strength, the thing that energizes me is doing what I was meant to do, to do God's will, to honor him, to glorify him. That's what sustains me. But the humanity of Jesus, because he was like us, is seen in the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke chapter 22, we find, and he came out and he went as was his custom. He came out of the upper room to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, Remove this cup from me. Dada, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I'm choosing not to do this. But not my desire, but yours be done. Not my desire, not my want, because if I did what I wanted, I would not do this. And he thought of the pain and the suffering. He thought about the broken relationship with his father. He thought about occurring the wrath of God when he becomes the sin of the world on the cross. He said, no, no, no. I can't. I won't. But if you, if you say, this is my will. I will do it. And an interesting thing happens, and, and I, it's one of, the, one of the questions that I would ask Jesus one day when I get to see him face to face. It says an angel came to minister to him. Right? Read the text. And I think the messenger from God... This angel said, the father says, no. You've got to do this. And why do I think that? Because it's then that he puts his face to the ground and he sweats blood. The anxiety, he did not go skipping to the cross some ways, there are heel marks because it was going to be awful. And if it was his thought, he'd choose another way. And the father says, there is no other way. So, so what's the key when you have to pray, thy will be done? I, I think the blessing ultimately comes in the next phrase. On earth as it is in heaven. You see, Jesus knows that in heaven there's no pain or sorrow or struggle. We find that in the book of Revelation. In heaven is where God's will is done and life is as it is created to be. So when we pray, Thy will be done, it's not. Sock it to us, make everything as awful as it can be. We're really praying. We're trusting that in how difficult it's going to be, it will reflect the kingdom of God. The pain and the suffering does not have the last word. We're we're not to avoid difficulties and pain. It's about kingdom wholeness. I was trying to think how, how do we how do we get this? How do we understand this? And I, I thought this morning, I've got gr- twelve grandkids. And they love these little things. Now, they may be called a pacifier, passy, a binky. My, you know, some call them a plug. Just shut up. <laughs> I don't know what what you called them. But when they desire this as they grow older, they can't go anywhere without it. They're attached to it. It's the thing that brings them comfort. How do you break a child of this? I think we could write a book on what we've tried. Chuck E. Cheese promises for the rest of their life, you know, kind of thing. What did you do? In the midst of their will and their desire to have it, you know it's not good for them. It's bending their teeth and it's causing them false security. And it's, it's, I, I, Jamie, my daughter, and she had to, we had to have four or five of these a night. One in her mouth, one in each hand, and two when she drops the ones in her hand. Or else it was going to be terrible. And her will and her desire was to have this above everything. And and so what do you do? Some people cut them because then they don't have the same feel in, in their mouth. And 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 they cry because it's bad. It, it's not the same. It's not what I will, it's not what I desire. But you do it for their benefit. Others might take substances that are unpleasant to the mouth and just kind of paint them with it. Anyway, until it becomes distasteful. And some make promises. I will give you $100,000 if you would give this up. I will write you a check. Right now, for $100,000 to give it up. I will put it in your bank account right now. But they can't see the future promise because of the present need and present struggle. And sometimes you just have to take it away and struggle through their pain until they understand they didn't need it anyway. And, and it's the way it is so much with God's desire for us. We want to be pacified with how we feel, how we think. And God is saying, no, that's not my will. That will take you to a bad and dark place. And Jesus says, we are to pray, not my will, Father. But as it is in heaven, as it's going to be one day, I want want to hold on to that check now to get through the difficulties when I don't get my way. Jesus is saying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Paul tells the church to pray this. Here's his words. And, and so, from the day we heard about your faith, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all, spirit, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk, that you might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Our desire is that you would walk in a way that's worthy of the man of the kingdom of, of the king. And you do that by knowing his will. How do you get to know his will? You get to know his will through this book. This is his truth. This is timeless. We get to know his will by listening to the Holy Spirit speak into our lives. We need to slow down and open ourselves to how God responds because we have a relationship with him. We crawl up on his lap. Jesus says, call him daddy. Call him dad. We have each other to encourage that we would walk in the desires of the Lord and not our own. Sometimes that's hard with our friends, with our family, with our kids to say, no, this, that's not a good way to go. Do you know God's word enough? 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That in heaven... God's going to make everything beautiful in its time. Which means we can be thankful now for difficult things because one day we will look back and know that God used them and that he made it beautiful. I don't know how he does it. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't choose the way the world says but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We know we'll know God's will when we open our mind to the Holy Spirit. Micah 6:8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require? What's his desire? What's his will? That you would act justly, that you would love mercy, and you would walk humbly with your God. Wadsworth has a poem about a, it does a lot of birds and a lot of nature, a lot of, but he has this one poem where this bird who's living in the midst of uh, canyons and crevices and 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 a wind comes along and blows this bird. And, and this bird is fighting as hard as it can to get back to the canyon, to the crevices. And the wind just blows. And finally, the bird is, it gets so tired, he just gives up thinking he's dying. But the wind, the struggle against his will has taken him to a place of open pastures and meadows, a place of life. God's will is that we would have a taste of heaven here. And the way to get there is to say, not my desires, Lord, but yours. You think about that. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we want To have things our way. Our commercials tell us it should be our way. We want to be pacified. We want it to be easy. We want it to be simple. We want it to be good by the standards of this place. And so we have a divided heart. I would pray with David that we would have an undivided heart. That we would pray, thy will be done here just as it is where you are. And Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you, and for those who are, who are struggling in the midst of drinking a cup that is very painful, open their eyes, Lord, to the promises that that pain does not have the last word. And that your will and your desire taste like heaven. May we trust you and love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.